Matthew chapter 7, page 1032, if you're using a Bible provided, there's one in the row, under the row in front of you, Matthew chapter 7. We are just finishing up this section of the Sermon on the Mount about relationships. And so in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, we looked at how to relate to your brothers and sisters in Christ when there is sin in your life, sin in their life. In verse 6, we've looked at how to relate to unbelievers who are obstinate or antagonistic to the gospel. Last week, we looked at how to relate to God, your heavenly Father, and the relationship that we have to him in prayer and uh, the fact that we are commanded to ask and uh, that he always gives good things in response to his children asking. And now we are going to give a summary statement and look at the summary statement from Christ in his preaching on how to treat others in general, summarized. Summary statement is this, very familiar, I believe, to most of us. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Somewhat familiar? Ring a bell somewhere deep in the chasms, caverns of your brain. This is one of the most familiar and most often quoted uh, verses in Scripture, not necessarily quoted word for word from Scripture. We looked at a very familiar verse in uh, Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not, that you be not judged. People quote that almost word for word straight from Scripture. This verse in, in verse 12 is not quoted necessarily straight from Scripture, but the idea is quoted in various ways. We talk about it very often and call it the golden rule. And so in Matthew 7, 1, we looked at a a verse I believe is completely misunderstood and misapplied by most people who quote it. But today I believe we'll look at in verse 12, a verse that most people understand rightly, they get the, the, especially the general idea, and typically use it rightly. So we're not going to so much correct a misunderstanding in culture or correct maybe our own misunderstanding. But what I'm going to say about this passage, as much as, as it is quoted and used, I am amazed at how often it doesn't show up when it should show up the most. So when we need the golden rule given to us by Jesus Christ is very often when we completely seem to forget what we knew from Scripture. And so one example of that is this last week. Some of you probably watched the State of the Union address on Tuesday night. But even if you didn't watch the State of the Union address, you probably are aware of all the controversy that came out of it. Uh, The first action uh, being given by President Trump, who ignored Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, refusing to shake her hand. And then secondly, the act of the Speaker, who at the end of the speech uh, ripped up the speech uh, in in a very public manner. And most commentaries from the left and the right and anywhere in between uh, sum up, believe that they, these, these actions sum up the state of our national politics, the state of, uh, of animosity and adversity and, uh, that we have in our country. But what is, is interesting is based upon where we find ourselves, what are we to do as a nation? What, what should our response be in light of these actions by our leaders? It seems like, for the most part, what I hear is a cry for civility, a cry for civility, for for treating others civilly even when we disagree. But this is the moment when we should be going far beyond civility. It should actually be a cry 
from those who know this principle of the golden rule to be bringing this up. We should be telling one another to treat others the way you want to be treated. And as soon as you say it like that, you would recognize that if either one of those two people would have put this principle into action, those two things would not have happened. No one would want to be treated the way they treated each other. But of course, right in the moment when we need this rule the most is when it is most forgotten. And what is worse than that is our culture and society, though familiar with this rule, though familiar with this this verse, has replaced the God-given answer to our problems with a man-made answer. Civility, though maybe virtuous in one sense, is not the biblical answer to animosity and adversity. And so I don't want to just hear to, I'm not going to talk, I talk for an hour about politics in Sunday school. I'm not going to talk about politics here. I'm just bringing up an example. And now you must also now take the truth of Scripture and apply it to the situations in your life where you are doing the same things as those you might think are doing something wrong. Before we dig into this verse, let's pray together. Father, we, we trust that you would show us Christ. You would show us the truth. You would show us the one who died for us in this verse. And may you show us how to rightly apply your commands, your scripture to our daily lives. Grow us and change us. We cannot do this apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, illuminating our our eyes and our hearts and our minds to receive the truth. Save souls. Transform us, we pray, for your name's sake. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, we're just going to read verse 12, and then we'll dig in. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is God's word. Listen to it this morning. The theme is, once again, King Jesus has the authority to tell his disciples what true justice is and how to practice it. King Jesus has the authority to tell his disciples what true justice is and how to practice it. And what is so fascinating about this sermon is a correction to what many people think, and that is that God cares about how his children live. Christianity deals with real life and real situations of real life. Some people have the idea that the word of God and and religion in general is just concerned about all these other things that don't really meet the real world, that they don't really show up in everyday living. You know, it's not really that practical. It's just something you do on Sunday or something you do to make yourself feel better or to, you know, to work up good feelings for yourself. That's, That's not what the word of God is. The word of God is God's real truth for real life and real life situations. And there's very few passages in the Bible that illustrate it better than this verse. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So the first part of the verse, the command. Simply, and you should have been able to fill this in already, right? You, you Probably most of you are done with the outline. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That's the command. Now this is not what many people want this command to be. Many people want this command to say this, treat others the way that others treat you. Maybe that's how you've heard this rule abused or misunderstood. Treat others the way they treat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, you slap them back. I mean, we're going to 
you know, quid pro quo here. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that. Um, or some want it to be understood this way. Uh, treat others the way others treated you in the past, which leads us to revenge, as if this passage is encouraging revenge. It is not. And it is definitely not to treat others the way that you think others will treat you in the future. I think so-and-so would do this, so let me get my shot in early. Treat others, do to others before they do to you. Have you ever heard it said that way? Now, people who say it that way know that they're abusing it. But that's do to others before they do to you. And uh, if you can get your shot in quick enough, maybe they won't be able to get their shot in. That's some of the ways that this passage is, and this rule is, is misunderstood. But what we do need to understand, and the right way to view this is, first of all, that this is the law of justice. This is the law of justice. Treat others the way you want to be treated. This is what justice looks like. Justice is defined biblically, first of all, by impartiality. By impartiality. You can write down this reference and look it up later. Deuteronomy 16, 19. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. So when we think of what justice is, justice is defined at least primarily as impartiality, Deuteronomy 16, 19. This is the law of justice because it demonstrates how we are to treat one another, and it is to treat them the way we want to be treated. This destroys the double standard of injustice. This destroys the double standard of Matthew 7, 1 through 5, where we treat others and hold others to a standard higher than the standard we hold ourselves to. Treating others and judging them the way we don't want to be judged, we hold them here. We deny equitable treatment to others while demanding that very treatment for ourselves. Is this not our politics? Is this not what is happening? These people are wrong for what they're doing. But as soon as we get the chance, we're going to do the same thing to them. So it's unjust, unjust for you to treat us this way, but it's righteous and will defend our, us treating you the same way when we get a shot. That is exactly what people are doing in politics on both parties, whereby they will have a different standard when they're being judged they will call that standard unjust, and then when it suits them and their political power, they will switch that around and use that very same rationale as if no one can remember that two years ago they argued that, that very thing was wrong. And it's not one-sided. This is unjust. This is unjust. The law of justice is you treat others the way you want to be treated. That is the definition of justice. It's the definition of impartiality equal scales. Secondly, this law demands self-judgment. This law demands self-judgment. Everyone knows what justice looks like when it is applied to them. Everyone knows what is unfair when they're being held to a standard. Everyone understands it when the shoe is on their foot. And so we see justice very clearly when it affects us personally. And this law points out the fact that we are to be completely others-centered in our application of biblical truth. Others-centered. This law can never be read in a self-centered way. 
This law can never be read as if we are to treat others so that they will treat us well later on in return. So do good to others so that they will do good to you. That's not what this is saying. This entire rule, this entire law is others-centered completely. There is no way of reading this about how do I set myself up to get from others what I want them to give me. That's not at all the point. What this does demand, though, is self-judgment, not self-interest. We get so caught up in defending ourselves against the wrong treatment that we spend very little time questioning whether our treatment of others is righteous and just. There's so much about what everyone else is doing to me. Look at what so-and-so, look at this, look at that. Look, and it's all about, hey, I shouldn't be treated this way. But there's no self-reflection, very little self-judgment on how I treat others. And what's the entire imperative of this command? It's self-reflective. It is self-judgment. It is not self-defensive. It is self-judgment. And that's what is demanded here. How do you treat others? Are you treating others the way you are to be treating them? And that leads us to point C. This law demands action. It demands action. Commentator Mounts says it this way, in its negative form, the golden rule could be satisfied by doing nothing. The positive form moves us to action on behalf of others. So some people like to read this command this way. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Maybe you have read it like that and stated it like that repeatedly. Maybe that's the way you think of the golden rule. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Don't treat others the way you don't want them to do. So if you, want your brother to, if you don't want your brother to hit you, don't hit your brother. If you don't want your brother to annoy you, don't annoy your brother. Stop doing to others what you don't want them to do to you. That's, that's the negative. But this law and this rule is in the positive Jesus raises the command beyond the level of self-interest. He says, do to others positively what you would like them to do to you positively. If you think about this law, this rule in the negative, it would lead you to see the good Samaritan able to walk by the man who was beaten up on the side of the road. Are you familiar with that parable? the parable of the Good Samaritan, where uh, the, the Jewish man was beaten up and, and robbed and left for dead, and then, and then the priest comes by and he sees the man beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road, and what does he do? He crosses the other side and walks around him, and then the, the Levite comes and he walks around the other side, and then the Samaritan comes, and what does he do? He goes over, he binds up his wounds, he takes him to an inn, he pays for his recovery, he puts him in the hospital, and uh, he says, well, if you need more, I'll be coming back in a little while and I'll pay more. Right? That's the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, if this, if this is a negative command, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you, what could the Good Samaritan do? You see someone beaten up on the side of the road. Did he walk over there and kick him, you know, get in a couple shots? No, just treat, don't do to him what you don't want him to do to you, so just leave him alone, right? That's the priest and Levi. They obeyed the golden rule in the negative. They didn't do anything bad to the man. If we only see this as a command not to treat others poorly, 
then we could obey it by just doing nothing. But this law is in the positive, which means if we're going to obey this command and we are in that position, what must we do for the man beaten and robbed and left for dead? Did the priest and the Levite obey this command? No. They disobeyed this command because if you were beaten, robbed, and left for dead, would you want people to just walk by and not get a couple shots in? Would that be good enough for you? You want to be just, le- just leave me for dead, don't make it worse. That's all I'm asking. No, you would say, please help me. Treat me the way you, if you want to be helped when left for dead, don't you help others when they're left for dead? Isn't that not the positive action of this command? And then letter D, this law defines equality. It defines equality. We are to treat others this way. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to others. Well, every good Christian understands how to read the Bible. I first have to understand the context so I, need to, so I can make sure I understand where this law applies. And if I can understand who the others are, then I can understand how to apply this command. And if I can make the others this really narrow category, then of course I can do to others what I want them to do to me. If I could really make it very small. Is that, is that what this law, this rule is? The, the answer is, who are the others? Do you have a biblical answer for that? Is it just your family? Is it just your neighbor, like the person who lives on my right and my left, but not the person who lives across the street? Well, this is the same question that was asked of Jesus with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if I'm to love my neighbor as myself, the question is, who's my neighbor? And what was Jesus' answer? His answer was the parable of the Good Samaritan. I believe the same answer applies here. Who are the others? The answer is found in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the answer is this. Every person that I come into contact with is my neighbor in that moment. Is anybody in the parable of the Good Samaritan being uh, held guilty who didn't walk by the man who was beaten? I mean, you weren't there, but are you held responsible for caring for this man even though you weren't there and didn't know anything about it? Was that man your neighbor in that instance? No. How come that man became the Good Samaritan's neighbor? Because he walked by him. Every person that you come in contact with in that moment is your neighbor. That's the principle. So guess who your neighbor is right now? All of us in this room, we're all neighbors for the time that we're here. What happens if one of us has, suddenly has a heart attack, falls over on the floor? Do we just say, ah, well, it's Bob. Uh, I guess that's, you know, let's, let's keep on going. Would we not all be responsible to do whatever we could to help someone in distress in this moment, in this place? We would all be neighbors. Now, if I'm heading home and I go out Bennington Road and you're heading home and you go out North 52 and your tire gets flattened and you're stranded on the side of the road, am I held responsible for not fixing your tire and stopping and helping you? No. Only if you call me (laughs) and say, hey, neighbor, (laughs) could you help a brother out? And I say, no, by the way, I got to hurry home and and eat. I'm very hungry. 
But in those days, of course, there were no telephones and there were no cell phones. And so the, the principle is this. Every person you come in contact with at that moment is your neighbor. And you are responsible for treating that person in that moment, treating those others the way you want to be treated. So think about all the individuals you came into contact with this week. Every person you rubbed shoulders with. Now, the bad part, the very bad part about this command is now you have a digital online presence, most of you. Which means you were on Facebook, you were on Instagram, you were on the internet, you were, I don't know what you do. I stay off most of it. I'm so old. I don't know where you came in contact with, what you commented, what you read, what you said, what you posted, all of those things. But now as you rub shoulders with people in other countries on the internet, in those moments you are their neighbor. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Isn't it fascinating that we think the distance of a screen means I can say or do whatever I want as if you're not a human being on the other end of the keyboard? Things we would never say, things we would never do to a person face-to-face, we are happy to say and do behind the keyboard. We are all very brave and very courageous when the other person doesn't know where we live and can't find us. Every person you talk to, every person you rub shoulders with, every person you came in contact with, you are called to treat them in that moment, whatever the situation calls for, as you would want to be treated. Every person in those moments is your neighbor. Now, some people you rub shoulders with every day. Husband, wife, children, grandchildren, co-workers, us, people at school, actual what we call neighbors in our, our neighborhood maybe. And of course we have much more contact and therefore we have more opportunity to either treat them biblically or unbiblically. But this is where the law defines equality. All others are to be treated the same way. There is no other person in this world that is to be held to a different standard than you are. There is no other person in this world that is to be treated differently because of who they are. Now, of course, there's multiple layers of categories in the scripture, but this is the definition, a biblical definition for equality. If we were to treat others the way we want to be treated, this would lead to a society of equality because there is no distinction that changes the way we treat ourselves. And that's why when Jesus uses the Samaritan to to speak in that parable, he gets to the heart of racial tension, ethnic tension better than racial tension. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. The priest and the Levite had more in common with the man who was beaten, robbed, and left for dead than the Samaritan. And so what Jesus says is the Samaritan did the right thing, the good thing, the loving thing, because he treated even an enemy as a neighbor and loved him and cared for him. That's what equality looks like, equality without distinction based upon the ways that we typically treat one another. And so there are certain people we are more prone to help. There are certain people we're more prone to be kind to. There are certain people we're more prone to treat with equality. And there are other people that we are tempted to treat as lesser than. I don't know who that is for you. But that is not the golden rule, and that is not equality, and that is not biblical. That is sin. And if we understand what this rule says, we would understand equality. 
So that's, a, that's an explanation and application of the command. Now, secondly, we want to see the foundation, the foundation for this command, this rule. And that is a summary of the Old Testament teaching on interpersonal relationships. It's a summary of the Old Testament teaching. So Jesus says, this is the law and the prophets for. The word for there is vital. It's the reason, the rationale, the foundation for the command. Do this because this. And the first thing I want to say is this. This law is not arbitrary. It is God-breathed. You say, of course it's God-breathed. It's in the scripture. I mean more than that. The golden rule is not a rule that mankind came up with. God gave it to us in scripture. And not only did God give us the command in scripture, he did not leave it to a man-made interpretation. So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. What does that mean? I don't know. Let's just make up our own thought about it as we go. This law is given by God. It was spoken by God. And then it was defined in all the commands of the Old Testament by God. So how do we specifically understand the golden rule? Well, it is not a summary of all the laws of the Old Testament. Well, it says... This is the law and the prophets. It's almost, some people think, well, you don't even need to read the Old Testament anymore. Why? Because this one rule just gives you everything you need to know about the Old Testament. No, this law does not summarize or clarify every Old Testament law. It clarifies what is called the second table of the Ten Commandments. The second table of the Ten Commandments. Are you familiar with the Ten Commandments? If not, Exodus 20 would be great reading today at lunchtime. The first table of the Ten Commandments contains the four most important commands. The commands that deal with our relationship with God. So, the second table are those commandments that deal with our relationship with our neighbor. The first four are the vertical commandments dimension to life between us and God. The second table is the horizontal, our life with others. Now, the most important commands are the first four. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall keep the Sabbath day. What one am I forgetting? You shall not make any idol. Second command. Those four summarize our vertical relationship and our relationship with God. And then the next six lay out the second table of the commandments. And and the reason we get the word table is, you know, the old picture of Moses with the two tablets, the two tables of the law. On one tablet is the commands, the first four, then the other six. We have this idea there's two sections to this. And that's why Jesus, in Matthew 22, when he was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law, he said... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend, here's our phrase again, all the law and the prophets. So a summary of the two tables of the, of, the, of the law is this. The first four commands, love the Lord your God. The second, six, uh, second table, the six commands, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what all the law and the prophets depend upon, those two summaries of the Old Testament law. And so you can summarize the law this way. Now, the question that comes in looking at what Jesus put is, what does it look like to love my neighbor? 
What does loving your neighbor as yourself look like? And that's where this summary found in the golden rule puts the law of love, love your neighbor as yourself, in action. And that's why I'm going to the parable of the Good Samaritan as an answer to both who is my neighbor and who are the others. What does love look like in action and what does the golden rule look like in action? And the answers are the same because they both summarize the second table of the law, our relationship with other people. And so the golden rule is the law of love in action. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Let's look at how this applies. I've got some scripture on the screen. We'll simplify this. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. The first command of the second table of the law, honor your father and mother. Well, do you want to be treated with honor, dignity, and respect? Do you want that? If so, what should you do? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Honor your father and mother as you would like to be honored when you're a father or mother. Ooh. Do some of you remember when you were children and your mother or father would look at you and say, someday you're going to have kids who treat you just like you treat me. Anybody say that to you? Were they right? Did you, when you were a parent, all of a sudden have it hit home? What did I put my parents through? If I only knew how horrible this was, I would have never treated them like that. Well, if you just would have obeyed the Ten Commandments, you could have taken care of it without having the experience. You could have done the right thing without having to know that the wrong thing was so terrible. You didn't have to experience it. And so if you want to be honored as a parent, honor others. Is that because if you honor your parents, somehow your kids will know you honored your parents and they'll honor you as some sort of get this in quick? No. It's treat others the way you want to be treated. And if you're thinking in the moment when you are disrespectful and dishonoring and disobedient to your parents, if you think in that moment, I wonder if I would appreciate children who did this to me. Maybe, just maybe, thinking about that would help you and your attitude and your actions towards your parents. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Let's take the second one. You shall not murder. Pretty simple. Do you want to be killed? Or do you want to live? Well, then don't do it to others. <laughs> do you see how simple that is? You know, if you don't want to be murdered, don't murder. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. Do you want people to have covenant faithfulness to you in marriage? Do you want your husband or your spouse to love you and to stay faithful to you? Or would you rather them commit adultery on you? Are you okay with that? No. No, I, I want them to be covenantly faithful. But if I break the covenant, let me give you all the excuses and all the reasons I have for why it was okay for me to do to them what I would never allow anyone to do to me. Do you hear that in our culture? The sexual immorality. All of the ways we talk about liberty and freedom. Do what you want. Do what feels good. If you, if you want to have sex, have sex. No, it does, that doesn't hurt anybody. But have you ever noticed how angry people get when they're cheated on? When adultery is committed against them? When someone breaks, the, you ever notice how upset they get? When we just live out the ethic of, hey, do what you want. If it feels good, do it. But just don't do it to me. It's okay if I do it to you, don't do it to me. Do you notice how this law summarizes that? You shall not steal, you want your stuff taken? Uh, how many thieves 
are the most angry when something is taken from them. Treat others the way you want to be treated. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do you like it when people make up lies about you, lie about your behavior, try to get you in trouble? Of course not. I'm very indignant when that happens. Well, then why would I do it to others? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do you see how this summarizes? This is the law and the prophets in the way that we treat others. We can summarize all of these commands with one command, treat others the way you want to be treated. This is what Jesus is saying. This is the law of love and action. If you just do to others what you want them to do to you, it simplifies the legal code. You know what? Have you ever thought about that? Our legal code is thousands of pages, tens of thousands of pages, books upon books upon books, all trying to figure out this. (laughs) God, doesn't God know better? Does he simplify it? I mean, how, how many laws are we trying to enforce? Just treat others the way you want to be treated. Do you want someone to run you off the road? No, don't run them off the road. Do you want someone to use their blinker when they're in front of you? Use your blinker. You know, there's just so many things that would be simplified if we, if we thought about this and we live this way. This is the essence of all interpersonal behavior. Self-love is paramount. We come out of the womb loving ourselves. So if we would just love others as much as we already love ourselves, then we would be the most loving of people in all the world. The love of law, the, lo- the law of love in action shows up in the, in, the, in the golden rule. Now, parents, how many times do you repeat this teaching to your children every day? This, parents, should be our constant refrain. We should be quoting the golden rule to our kids ad nauseum. The reason why is because this brings everyone, ourselves and our kids, back to God's simple truth. Instead, what do we do? Quit annoying your brother. Quit touching your sister. Quit looking at your brother. Get on your side of the car. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do that. Let's split the time. Let's, let's cut the toy in half. Let's do what we have to do. We have all of these rules. We, 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 the, the law code of the home just expands, doesn't it? But I found when I am at my best in my parenting, which is not regularly, I can ask one simple question that helps reorient everyone. Are you treating others the way you want to be treated? Well, uh, well, I mean, uh, are you treating others the way you want to be treated? Well, they did it first. Are you treating others? I was just... If you can get that simple question answered, it immediately reorients everyone. Because God's truth is the best truth, and it keeps up keeps us from ending up with 5,000 rules and regulations in our home to make sure that we moderate the behavior of our kids when we can just use a couple simple God-given commands. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Be kind. Not be nice, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4, 32. And we lay these out and we enforce them with grace and mercy and we teach our children that this is the way to live life in relationship with others and if we can do that and if they can put that into practice the home will be a much happier place and parents guess what it's the same rule you live by did you like it when your parents treated you that way then why are you treating your kids like that 
how many times did you say as a child, as a child, I will never say that to my kids. I will never do that to my kids. And then all of a sudden, 20 years later, you find yourself doing that and then some. This is the rule. Now, one last thing. This law is not the gospel. This law is not the gospel. Underline it, nail it down. The golden rule is not the good news of how you can enter the kingdom of heaven. It is not the good news of how you may have a reconciled relationship with God the Father, how you can have your sins forgiven, how you can be given the gift of eternal life, or have a promised eternal home in heaven. You don't get any of those things by keeping the golden rule. This rule is for those who are already in the kingdom of heaven. This is a rule for citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not foreigners. So when Jesus is giving this, uh, this sermon, he is speaking to those who are already his disciples. He calls his disciples to himself, and he said, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as those who have entered in the kingdom already, live this way. This is how Christians live. Now, would we be a better society if unbelievers live this way? Absolutely. Should we expect them to live this way? No. Why? They're not citizens. Who should we expect to live out this rule? Us, Christians. Now, usually when you ask people why God would let them into heaven when they die, have you ever said, you know, gone out witnessing, if God, you know, if you were to die today, would God let you into heaven? Well, yeah, he would let me in. Well, why would he let you into heaven? Well, I've never murdered. I've never stolen anything. I've never cheated on anyone. Uh, what do people usually enumerate? All of the things they didn't do. Here's a great one to come back with. Well, have you kept the golden rule? Well, yeah, I don't do anything to anyone else that I don't want them to do to me. No, no, that's not the golden rule. The golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated. It's a positive command. Have you always treated others the way you want to be treated? Well, always? Well, may I always treated others the way, always did the positive thing I would want someone to positively do to me? Because we always want to view ourselves from the position of what I don't do, sins of commission. I didn't do this. Well, did you do that positive thing? Well, I didn't do anything positive. God demands obedience, positive action of righteousness. So the question is, is can anyone keep the golden rule perfectly? Have you ever known anyone, including yourself, to always treat others the way they want to be treated on the positive side? Have you always helped out the person beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side? Have you always been kind to the person at school who's getting bullied? Have you always stood up for the person who's being wronged? Have you always said what you were always supposed to say in every moment? No. All of us probably daily, if not dozens of times a day, have violated this law. And so if this is the way to get to heaven, none of us would get there. But praise God that keeping God's laws are not the way to get to heaven. Jesus Christ died on the cross because people, all people, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have broken God's law. No one has kept the golden rule except Jesus Christ. And so this law, like every other law in the scripture, demands God's grace and strength 
for God's children to obey. And this law, like every other law in the Bible, only points us to the need of the gospel because we are unable to obey it in our own strength and ability. Every law says you're a lawbreaker, you didn't do it. Every law says you're a sinner in need of a savior. Every law says you can't. Only through Christ can you have what you need to obey God in every instance. And so Christian, the only way we can do what God has called us to do in this golden rule is in God's strength, in God's power, in God's ability. We must depend on him. We must live according to the gospel. And if you're not a Christian, seeking to live by the golden rule will get you no closer to heaven. It'll make you a nicer person. It'll make society better, but it will not do anything to save your soul. Christ alone saves. His death on the cross is what we cling to. And that's why every song we sang was, a, was about Christ and about what he's done, and especially the songs about the cross. It wasn't about what we've done positively. It was about what we did negatively and our need for a savior. And Christ is the only savior to save people who break the golden rule.